following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Chapter 1. <clears throat> nice, uh, <clears throat> cool weather, amen? <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, I'm surprised to see some of you here. I figured you were probably so frozen you, you, you couldn't get out, amen? But nonetheless, we're here, uh, us Stoics who are brave anything to come to church. Amen. Philippians 1, let's begin in verse 3. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, the Bible says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the, very first, uh, from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath, which hath begun a good work in you will perform it at the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me <clears throat> uh, to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Now, my main text is uh, verse 6, where the Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. I'd like to preach on Paul's confidence should be our confidence. Paul's confidence should be our confidence. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, as we look into thy word, Father, I'm thank you. I thank you, Father, for the preserved eternal word of God that you've given to us in our King James Bibles. And Father, we don't worship the Bible, but we worship the God of the Bible through the Bible. Father, bless us now as we seek to worship Thee, Father, as we seek to uh, learn something of Paul's confidence, a confidence that we ourselves should have. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Again, Paul's confidence should be our confidence. Now, here the Apostle Paul is, speaks of uh, his confidence, of which he speaks much of in the epistles. As a matter of fact, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you look there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, <clears throat> Looking at verses 14 and 15, here Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, as, all, as also you have acknowledged us in part that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. And in this confidence I was minded to come unto you before that ye might have a second benefit. So Paul speaks of his confidence uh, repeatedly through the New Testament and the word confident, uh, as he used, is, is used in our text, means having a strong belief or assurance or full assurance of. It uh, speaks of being sure, sure of oneself, one's ability, correctness, or, li- or likelihood of success. Self-confident, assured, excessively bold, presumptuous. Now, confidence uh, has uh, many connotations. Con- the word confidence itself uh, means belief in the powers, trustworthiness, or reliability of a person or thing. It speaks of trust, reliance. It speaks of belief in oneself, one's powers or abilities, self-confidence. So look with me to Proverbs 16. If you look with me there, Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Often we think of this verse and uh, as being self, speaking of self-confidence in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In one sense, he is speaking of a, a supreme self-confidence when he speaks of pride here. 
But not always is uh, pride a, a negative thing, or, or excuse me, uh, confidence is not always a negative thing. You know, sometimes the world in which we live doesn't want us to have confidence at all. Would have us all be uh, all downtrodden, all dependent on the government, all dependent on someone else. Folks, uh, you know, we, we can have confidence, but our confidence needs to be in the right person and placed in the right thing, if you will. And so we want to consider Paul's confidence, that confidence that should be our confidence more closely. Now, first of all, if we look back to our text in uh, um, Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1 again and verse 6, <clears throat> Philippians 1 and again verse 6, we want to see the first thing, the person of his confidence. Paul writes here, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work and you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. This he he speaks of is the Lord. He's not speaking of some uh, pope or some bishop or some man, but rather God as uh, doing a, a great work in them. As a matter of fact, Paul understood what it was to have confidence in the Lord in Acts chapter 13. Looking there with me, Acts 13 and 1. <clears throat> Paul write, the Bible says here of Paul and uh, those that labored with him in the church at Antioch, the Bible says now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon who was called Niger and uh, Lucius of Cyrene and Manan which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered the Lord and fasted, the, Lord, uh, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed they laid and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now the church at Antioch had a confidence in the Lord, in the person of the Holy Spirit, and the leadership of the Holy Spirit to, uh, that, that God had called Saul and Barnabas for a particular work, the work of missions. And in that confidence in the Lord and His direction, they sent them forth as a missionaries. Looking with me to Acts 16. Acts 16, as they're ministering to the Lord, as they're uh, doing mission work, Paul on his second missionary journey with, with uh, <clears throat> well, let's back up to Acts 15 and 35. Acts 15 and 35. Bible says, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch teaching and preaching uh, the word of the Lord and, and with many others also. And some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take with them who departed, uh, him with them who departed from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And their contention, the contention was so sharp between them that they parted asunder one from the other. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed uh, being, uh, being recommended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through uh, Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. Now Paul looked for someone to take over, to, to labor with him as Barnabas and himself had had a parting and they went their ways and uh, Paul chose Silas under really the leadership, though it doesn't mention the Holy Spirit directly, 
the churches were to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, the Bible says that Christ is the head of the church in the person of the Holy Spirit, giving leadership and direction uh, to the church in concerning missions and everything uh, that we do. And so Paul chose Silas based upon the recommendation of the church there in Antioch. <clears throat> and then in chapter 16... And verse 6, as they're ministering the Lord, as they're on their second missionary journey, they're confirming churches. They're not only that, but they're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit concerning the establishment of other churches as well. In verse 6, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the regions of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, you know, sometimes we imagine uh, that there aren't times when God would say, don't say anything. But the, the Holy Spirit led Paul and Silas not to go into Asia at this time, but uh, they were directing him some, excuse me, someplace else. And <clears throat> verse 7, And after they were coming to Mysia, they say to go in, into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Now there's a confidence that Paul and Silas had in the leadership and direction of the Holy Spirit, and they were following the Lord, amen, not just running around willy-nilly trying this and trying that, but they were looking for the leadership of God, having confidence that he would lead them in the, in the direction that they ought to go. <clears throat> and verse 8, and they, and they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia <clears throat> and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and were in that city abiding certain days. So God was directing them, leading them. Paul's confidence was in the Lord and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in his work for the Lord. Look with me to Psalm 118. Psalm 118 this morning. <clears throat> and it's important that you and I have a confidence like Paul did in, in a, a, the right person, that being the person of God, uh, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the person of the Holy Spirit. All three are one. And uh, as Christ is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, waiting to come again, uh, we have the person of the Holy Spirit directing us, leading us, and we can have confidence in His leadership and uh, direction. In Psalm 118, looking at verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And yet, <clears throat> we need to be careful uh, of, who, of whom we go to seek counsel. Because not, all, not everyone we seek counsel from is led of the Holy Spirit to give us proper and right counsel. If you look with me to 1 John 4, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. Bible says here, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. It's important that we try to see if uh, this is the leadership of the Holy Spirit, if we're putting our confidence in a man 
or in the God in the man, if, the, if there is uh, that, uh, that to be said. If you look with me to Colossians uh, chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2 and uh, verse 8, Colossians 2 and 8. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. It's important as we seek counsel, as we seek direction, that we don't put our confidence in the wrong person. Just putting confidence in the person of a man may, de- may, may derail us or lead us into false doctrine, to false truth. If you look with me to uh, John <clears throat> chapter um, 16, John 16, <clears throat> looking at verse 13, the promised Holy Spirit that Christ spoke of in John 14, howbeit in uh, John 16, 13, howbeit when he, this he, okay, we're talking about uh, having this confidence that he which hath begun a good work and he will perform in the day of Jesus Christ. Well, Christ is in heaven. God the Holy Spirit is the he we're referring to. And the Bible says, howbeit when he, and the Spirit of God is not a, 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 a force, but a person. Amen. And so we put our confidence in the Holy Spirit. We're putting it in a person. How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things of the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. And when he talks about guiding us into all truth, we can test whether or not that uh, those that we seek counsel from are led by the Spirit of God, because they will guide us into all truth. And what is truth? Sanctify them through thy word, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. There are a lot of people running around today speaking as if they're speaking for God, led by God, and they want you to have confidence in them, and yet they're speaking uh, in, in contradiction to the Word of God, the words of truth. It's important that we run everything through, if you will, the, uh, the, the Word of God to see whether what we're being taught, the counsel we're giving, been given is from God, and our confidence is in the Lord and not in men. If you look with me to Acts 17, Acts 17, and uh, verse 10, the Bible says, And the brethren uh, immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, uh, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. They did not want to falsely uh, put their confidence in just what a man has said, even the Apostle Paul. They wanted to be their confidence to be in God and what he says and not in a man. You know, folks, men are wrong. There are times when I've been wrong. Not often, but you know, there are times when I'm wrong. And I've said this before, don't follow me over a cliff. If you do, you're about as dumb as I am. <laughs> you don't want to go there. But the reality is I'm striving by the Spirit of God to teach you what is true and guide you into all truth. But you know what? Take the time to take what I've taught you and put it into the Bible and read the entire context. Amen? 
You know, if I'm teaching you the truth, I have nothing to be afraid of. And I'm not, uh, you, and you can learn, okay, your, your confidence is not in a man, though we follow men as they follow God, amen? Our confidence needs to be in the person of uh, the Lord. Uh, Bible says in Proverbs 25, look with me there, Proverbs 25 and verse 19. Proverbs 25 and 19. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. You know, talk about painful. <laughs> a broken tooth. Thankfully, I've never had one. I've had, there are times when I went to the, I don't have to, I hate to say this, I haven't been to a dentist in a long time. I'm afeard of dentists, amen, I'm afeard of them. <clears throat> no, I'm just scared. <laughs> I don't want to go to the dentist. So preacher, don't you have problems? I don't know, I don't, I haven't been there in so long, I don't know. I've had one cavity all my life. But you know what? I can't imagine. I've heard people talk about breaking a tooth. And that's painful. And a foot out of joint, you know, you, you twist your ankle. I mean, that's painful because you, you've got to get around, amen? Or if you have a knee replacement like some, some of us, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afeard of that too, amen? <laughs> ah, a, a knee replacement. I mean, there are things that cause us pain. And confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is painful, can lead to... Uh, to misery and trouble. Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 11 and uh, 22, Mark 11 and uh, verse 22. Here the Bible says, And Jesus answering uh, saith unto them, Have faith in God. We're talking about having confidence in the Lord. Amen. It's most important you know, faith is, is believing God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, you and I have never seen God. Uh, one of those, one of those uh, cruisomatic preachers saw a 900-foot Jesus at the end of his bed one day, and I have to ask myself, what in the world was, what, 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 what was he on? Amen. Was he drinking? Was he on drugs? I mean, to see a 900-foot Jesus? Say, preacher, that's terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. It was ridiculous when the guy said it. And all I can think is, who believes that? You know, a lot of people had confidence that he saw what he saw, said he saw. <clears throat> I don't know if he ever saw it again, but... You know, the Bible talks about faith being the substance of things hoped for, the, the evidence of things not seen. We've never seen God except for his word, amen? God acts, you know what faith is? Believing what God has said about himself. And as we're taking God at his word, in the simplest terms, believing, Lord, have faith in God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, <clears throat> And verse 12, 2 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> and verse 12, Paul writes here, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Here's Paul who had supreme confidence in the Lord. Amen. And so God would have us, as we talk about Paul's confidence being our confidence, his confidence, for first of all, was in the person of God. Secondly, 
we want to talk about the particular work of his confidence. Now, if you're looking back to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, here Paul writes again concerning this confidence and the work of his confidence. It says, being confident of this very thing. And Paul had confidence in the Lord. He says that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. Paul had confidence that God would do a special work in them as he does in all of those who are saved by the grace of God. It's first an individual work. You know, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, but he's also writing to the individual members of the church. In the scripture, you know, scripture always has an individual application and then a collective application. Here, Paul is writing to a church, but also the individual members. The, there's an individual confidence in the work. He that which hath begun a good work in you. Now, the word you can be used singularly or pl- with, uh, with a plurality. Look with me to Acts 16 again, verses 14 and 15. Acts 16, verses 14 and 15. Paul was writing to the church at Philippi when he spoke of them as you. In Acts 16, verses 14 and 15, as Paul and Silas had been led by the Spirit of God to go to Macedonia, called of God, directed there by the Lord, he encounters a woman in verse 15, verse 14, and a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God. She's striving to worship God. She doesn't know him yet. Though she was striving to worship him, she did not know him, heard us whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto those things which were spoken of by Paul. What was Paul speaking to them about? The gospel. Paul preached the gospel. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So he would preach this gospel to this woman, Lydia, who was a, a, a businesswoman. And the Bible says in verse 15, And when she was baptized... And her household, she besought us, saying, if ye, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Now, not only did uh, Lydia hear the message of the gospel, obviously she brought him home. They heard, the, the, those in her household heard the gospel. They got saved by the grace of God. They put their confidence, their trust, their reliance upon Christ to save them. And then when they were saved by the grace of God, they followed the Lord in scriptural baptism. And they were the charter members of the church that would be established by Paul and Silas there at Philippi. And these were some of those individuals that Paul was writing to in Philippians chapter 1 and uh, verse 6. Look with me again as well in verse 28 of the same chapter. Paul is in jail now. Paul and Silas are in jail and they're not there by accident. God, uh, they, they cast out a demon-possessed woman. They were thrown in jail because of it. And they're there unlawfully. They had no right to be thrown in jail, but they're there in, for preaching the gospel. In verse 28, after God sends an earthquake, they've been, uh, been sharing the truth with people, singing the praises of God. In verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, saying Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. You know, when the doors flew open with the earthquake, the jailer would have to forfeit his life if the prisoners were gone. Paul is talking to this jailer. He says, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light. The jailer did. And, 
and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, obviously, somewhere along the line, Paul and Silas were talking about salvation. To sing the praises of God is to sing uh, about sometimes salvation. We sing many songs, one of which is save, 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 amen. My sins are all forgiven. On and on. We're, we're, we're praising God for salvation. And obviously, somewhere along the line, they had spoken of salvation. And this jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And he's not talking about being saved, his life being saved because he was the jailer. There was something more important going on. <clears throat> and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord unto all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed um, their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Folks, here was another man who was saved by the grace of God through preaching the gospel. And Paul confidently uh, uh, affirmed the faith of Christ to his family. They were saved by grace. They were baptized, scripturally baptized. Again, here is another of the charter members of the church in Philippi to whom Paul is writing. God had done an individual work of salvation in their heart. He had drawn them by his spirit through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they believed and were saved. Amen. It was called the day of salvation for them. As a matter of fact, individually, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are uh, passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The moment you and I get saved, God is going to change us forever. From the inside and out, we will never be the same. We grow at different rates, but we will never be the same. Amen. If you will, Romans 8 and 28. Romans 8 and uh, verse 28. <clears throat> Here again, the Bible says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What is God's purpose in calling us to salvation? Not just to save us from, from sin or from hell, although that's very important, amen. There's something greater going on. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. When God saves us by his grace, he has a desire to and a purpose in saving us, not just to save us from sin and from hell, but to save us and conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Do you know what, folks? To restore us to a place we once had in the Garden of Eden. Amen. Adam and Eve were created after and in the image of God, and God is, is striving to, to uh, reclaim us and change us. And then there's the collective work that he does in our life as a, as a church, as the, the preaching goes on, look at me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <clears throat> the Great Commission calls the churches to preach the gospel <clears throat> to every creature. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, the Bible says, But if our gospel be hid, it is said to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now there's a collective 
uh, there's an individual work God wants to shine through your life, but he also wants his churches to be lighthouses that shine forth uh, the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. There's a work that God desires to do in us individually and with us collectively. Jesus said in John 8 and 12, look with me there. Jesus said in John 8 and verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, looking at verse 14, Matthew chapter 5, and looking at verse 14, Jesus says to his disciples and also collectively to his church, you know, folks, there was a, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. His disciples those faithful disciples, Lord, became a part of the Lord's first church that he started there in Jerusalem. He says to them, ye are the light of the world. Even as Jesus Christ is the light of the world, he says to us individually and collectively, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, folks, the local church and every member that makes up that church is collectively a lighthouse that shines the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and the work of God in their hearts, in their lives, to a world that is in darkness. The Bible says this world is in darkness and that men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. Yet they need to see the light of Jesus Christ. One of the reasons why we have a local church is so that we as a church can shine the light of the glorious gospel of Christ in this city of Dickinson, North Dakota. Amen? And you're a part of that individual, and God is is striving to shine through your life and through the work that he's doing in you individually and in us collectively. Amen? The preacher we had here last week, the pastor's Lighthouse Baptist Church. What a great name. Amen? We call ourselves the Bible Baptist Church because we want the light of God's truth and His Word to shine into a world of darkness that needs truth. You say, well, how do you know they need truth? Look around. Look at the mess our world is in. You know, we live in in, in difficult times. And I really believe the Lord is coming. And the darkness is getting greater, not less. We can see that in our government and those that lead in our government. We're seeing it in, in, in the way people behave one toward, toward another. We see the, 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 the darkness and the, in the ungodly behavior of people around us. You know, the Bible says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days wherein the Son of Man cometh. You know, folks, it was a dark time, a time when the Bible says that every imagination of the thoughts of men's heart was only evil continually. I can't imagine that, but think about this. Think about what people have access to on the Internet, on the television, on video games. I mean, there's great darkness out there. 
And people don't realize that they're feasting on that darkness all the time. It's affecting what they think. And you know, the Bible says, a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, our thinking affects our actions. What you think about, what you meditate on, is what you're probably going to do, given time. God is trying to do a particular work in us. And Paul had confidence that God had begun something in them, individually and collectively, in them and with them, for the good of other people around us. Amen? And then if you will look with me to, again, we're talking about, uh, look with me to Philippians chapter 1 again. Philippians 1 and verse 6. Philippians 1 and verse 6, the Bible says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it in the day of Jesus Christ. Not only the particular work of his confidence, but the power to perform this work. Remember, the power is the power of God. Amen? It is not the power of Paul and his ability to persuade men. You know, a preacher wants to, a preacher that preaches the truth of God's word wants to and desires to communicate the truth in a very coherent manner so people can take it and use it. We, we strive to persuade men to know God, to follow God. But you know what, folks? There is a power that is necessary if anything good is going to happen in the lives of anyone. And it's not the power of Paul, but the power of God. Paul had a confidence in the power of God. That power is, if you will, look with me to Genesis. Genesis 1 and verse 1. Genesis 1 and verse 1. Well, preacher, why can't you just quote this? Well, I might mess it up. Say, preacher, you ought to know better. Well, I I orta, but I don't always, amen. Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And folks, the entire chapter is about how God created the world. God created the world by himself, by his power, in six literal 24-hour days. No man has been able to reproduce anything about creation in a laboratory. But I'm going to tell you something, because that's that's the power of God. But it doesn't make it any less the truth because man cannot do what only the Creator God can do. Now, God has given us things to do as Christian people, but we can never do what's left only to God. Amen. Sometimes we get discouraged because we struggle with doing what we need to do. And then we, we blame ourselves. Sometimes we blame ourselves for things that belong to God. Amen. Things that only God Himself can do. There's a power at work, the power to create. In Jonah, Jonah, that's in the Old Testament for you Bible scholars, amen? Jonah, Micah is the next book after that. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9. Jonah makes a statement, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed salvation is of the lord folks salvation itself is a work of god we cannot save ourselves if we could save ourselves because of some work we would we could do if there was something that we personally could do to please god then christ would never had to have come and died the bible says without the shedding of blood there is no remission or forgiveness of sins 
Christ had to come and sacrifice himself, shed his precious blood to save us from our sin, to be our Savior. In Titus chapter 3, Titus chapter 3, we're talking about the power of God. Titus chapter 3, look at verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, grace we should, uh, should be made heirs, according to the hope of eternal life. Folks, we're, uh, we're not saved by works of righteousness, which we have done. He does all the saving and all the keeping. Amen. By the power of God. You know, folks, if we could save ourselves from sin, we wouldn't need God. But we need God. The Lord said, Jesus said in John 15, Without me, ye can do nothing. Nothing of any spiritual value or eternal value can be done without God. We can't save ourselves, we can't keep ourselves. We're kept, the Bible says, in, in, uh, <clears throat> in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, we are kept by the power of God. Our salvation is held in the hands of God. <clears throat> if you will, look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> And looking at verse 5, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 5, even in the work of ministry, trying to reach out to lost people, in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 5, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, And every man shall receive of his own reward according to his own labor. If we are laborers together with God, you're God's husbandry, you're God's building. Folks, God wants to work through you and I as ministers to reach out to people to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, women can't preach, but you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. You can share what God has done for you. And you know what, folks? The Lord will work through you to sow the seed of truth in the hearts of people that need to hear it. I've said this many a time, but there are people that you're going to have contact with that I won't have contact with. They're going to be people that you know and could talk to about the Lord. And I'm not saying that you have to go to them and, and shove the gospel down their throat. But you can tell them the goodness of God that God's given to you when God's blessed you. You know, we had someone visit the, the people that originally owned this building. They came by. We were over here last night turning up the heat, doing a few little things. And um, they showed up. And, you know, they, they looked. They came and looked around. It's not grand and glorious, but you know what, folks? It's different. It, has, it already has a, a touch of difference going on here. And, you know, we, we, we thank them in part, but we thank God in front of them for what the Lord had done in giving us this place to meet, to, giving, to give us our own place. 
And, you know, we've told them what we're looking, what, uh, what the Lord's done with uh, the, the different grants, what we're looking forward to doing. And, folks, God is, is doing some things. Amen? What a testimony to some people that did not and do not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? To the glory of God. To manifest the power of what God did, did and, and is doing. Amen? If you will, Philippians 2 Verses 12 and 13, Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul is charging these Philippians. He says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and tremble. He's not talking about working your way to heaven. Working out from the point of salvation. You know what? Don't just do what you do because I'm around. Obey the Lord because of the Lord himself. And he says in verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, folks, God is at work in us as individuals, and God wants us to cooperate with that work, to be obedient to what he's doing, be cooperative with what he's doing. You know, one of the most, impo- one of the most difficult things when you're doing a task on a job, or maybe on a ranch or whatever, a farm, whatever, you know what, is, is people working together, cooperating. If you've got someone you're trying to do a job with and they're, and they're bucking you, they're, they've got a contrary attitude, they're nasty, are you going to get anything done? Maybe, but it's going to be like pulling teeth to get it done. What a better thing for people to cooperate, to work together. You know, God is at work in us and he wants us to cooperate with the work. Amen? Look with me to Romans 6. God's at work, but he wants cooperation from us. In Romans 6, beginning in verse 12, you know, a home runs so much better if children obey their parents and the Lord. They're cooperative. You know, know, parents don't just love to walk around with the big stick waiting for you to do something wrong. (laughs) Well, I take that back. I now stand corrected from a mother of four daughters what a task that I'm sure has been. One was enough for me. I thank God for sons. Because girls sometimes are so irrational. Amen. Preacher. Just teasing. But, you know, sometimes I guess some parents do enjoy carrying the big stick. Amen. But you know what? What a, what a blessing it is when our children cooperate. Amen. What a blessing it is when we, the children of God, cooperate with the work that, and the power that God has to, to make us what we ought to be. In Romans 6 and 12, the Bible says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin? Because we're not of the law, but under grace, God forbid. Know ye not that, that uh, uh, to whom you yield yourselves servants uh, uh, to obey his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, and be, and of, but uh, ye obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin and became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity and to iniquity, 
Even so now yield your members as servants to righteousness and holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were made free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. He's talking about a cooperative obedience, amen? And we do struggle with obeying the Lord from time to time. But our, you know, God has a power at work. But let me say this. God isn't going to force you against your will. God isn't going to force you against your will. God wants you to say, okay. Okay, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now he will correct us. He will chasten us in love, trying to correct us, trying to help us to make the right decision. You know what? Correction in love is a good thing because when we're wrong, we're wrong and we need to change. The Lord will correct us. He'll try to get us to do the right thing. But you know what? He wants more than anything for us to willingly cooperate with what he's trying to do. Amen? In a home, you know, what a blessing when the kids are cooperating and they're not bucking us at every turn when they're out branding. And I was talking to one of the girls the other day about branding. All I could think is, man, what a smelly job. <laughs> oh, I don't think it's smelly. Okay, whatever. But, I mean, you know, if you don't cooperate, it does, the job doesn't get done. You might, as a matter of fact, you might get burned. Amen? And the, and the ones that are sitting on that calf waiting to, to zap them with the, um, <clears throat> the branding iron, what a job that is. What if half of you got off and left the other half trying to hang on? As soon as that thing hit... We're all gone, okay? <clears throat> See, I'm an expert at this thing. Wrong. <laughs> cooperation, cooperation is important, amen? Romans 12 and 1. <clears throat> Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a re- reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, God is at work. He wants us to give ourselves to it. Psalm 127. Psalm 127. And verse 1. Psalm 127 and 1. The Bible says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You know, the Lord is at work building a church out of God's people. And folks, God's doing a work, but you know what, folks? He's working through us, wanting cooperation. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. That, that has, if you will, the component of the cooperation of those who are building with him, laboring with him. Amen? We're not done with this subject. We'll continue next time. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.